Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 180, and we're your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hello, girls. So we're back with a whole new episode and I actually just want to know a little bit about what Kristen did because she was just she was just in Arizona. How was that Arizona oh, yes. convention? Uh, it was uh, actually a lot of fun. I can't rem- I, I keep forgetting what it's called the Arizona Comic Arts Festival, I think <laughs> Comic Book Arts Festival, something like that comic book festival. I don't remember but. Um, it was an inaugural festival, and the reason or the way that I found out about it was that Henry Barajas was in the shop, and he mentioned he was doing it, and uh, he said, you should come, or Eddie should come, and because my brother lives, uh, or lived uh, up until literally last Saturday, the weekend that we were there, uh, only 20 minutes away, it was uh, really convenient for us to go. Um, it was super small. It was like, it picture your elementary school cafeteria. It was in a room that size. Uh, and um, there were quite a few actually... Uh, Like big name people, John Lehman was there, um, the creator of Chew. Um, Mitch Gerard was there, who, if you don't know, is like the artist who usually works on all of Tom King's uh, stories with him. Um, the artist who's working with Kelly Thompson on Black Cloak uh, for currently is was there. Um, also, uh, the creator of Under the Cottonwood Tree was there. Ooh, uh, so- I know him. I've had drinks with him. <laughs> um, and so uh, it was just um, really uh, cool to see creators that I don't really nat- uh, usually see all the time because they don't travel too much um and new indie people um you know people like um that you usually see in artist alley with their fan um their fan stickers and um prints and that kind of thing but the coolest part of all was that this this uh this uh convention this expo was held in a shriners uh like building and they had a full service bar <laughs> so oh, you, hell yeah you could have mixed drinks you could have beer uh, they also had food um so it was actually uh, a lot of fun and uh i had a lot of fun uh there were a lot of people who came in who were excuse me, who were new to comics, um, but also a lot of people who were uh, creators who were coming in and trying to just learn more about the industry. So um, it, like I said, it was the inaugural show. Hopefully next year it grows. My brother moved two and a half hours away though. So I don't know where I'll stay, but if you're in Phoenix... <laughs> And you want to host um, me and my husband uh, for next year, hit us up. Let us know. That sounds really amazing. What drinks did you have? I actually didn't have any drinks. Boo! <laughs> I you thought you wanted to try that beer, the Kilt Riser, the Kilt Lifter. Kilt Lifter. You know why? Because I was thinking, because there was people right next to us who were drinking since the door opened. And it was oh I think, noon to six was the show and they were getting increasingly more and more <coughs> intoxicated. And I could just see the way that they were acting. And it just, I was like, no, I need to have my wits about me <laughs> while I'm, <laughs> while I'm here representing the podcast. <laughs> so I didn't oh, have any, well. but I did have a margarita after we went out to dinner. And of course we you're in Phoenix, you have to try Mexican food. So we went to a restaurant called Los Dos Molinos and it was, the food was really good, but the margarita was awesome. Nice. I like that. All right, guys, now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Kristen, what Chisme do you have in store for us? 
So this cheese may comes hot off the press from uh, Eddie, who says that he was listening to um, a podcast this last week, um, specifically because one of his boy crushes, Frank Grillo, was <laughs> being interviewed on the show. And if you don't know who Frank Grillo is, um, he is the um, he's the actor who played Crossbones in the MCU. Um, I think he was in a, a couple of them as that character. So um, Eddie just has a boy crush on him because he just in the in that particular role was just super buff and super just like you could tell that he was really fit and worked out all the time. And he um, is older than Eddie, so he actually. Um, kind of like looks up to him as his goal. Uh, and uh, interesting also, Frank is a, a pr uh, he's local to Santa Monica or local to the area because he comes into Heidi Ho, Heidi Ho um, no, I wouldn't say often, but like I would say I can count on my both hands how many times he's come in. Wow. So um, uh, in fact, I just saw him about a month ago. He came in with his kids. And so um, he was on a podcast and he was being asked, you know, what it was like to be in the MCU. And then he was asked um, about all the changes that are coming with James Gunn being now part of uh, DCU and uh, asked how he thought that was all going to be. And in his response, he says, I'm really looking forward to working with him. And as soon as he says Whoa. that, he, he he caught himself and changed it and said, I mean, you know, I would I would really like like to work with him or I'd really enjoy working with him if I had the chance or something like that. He tried to cover it up. So the entire um, social media verse is um, wondering, does that mean Frank Grillo has signed on to be part of uh, the DCU? So everyone is assuming that that is the case, but as of yet, we don't know um, as, of who. Is he going to be another villain? Is he going to be a hero? We At this point, we don't an know. But <laughs> or an anti-hero. It's all cheese, man. Um, but hopefully we will find out soon. Well, that's some juicy cheese, man. Mm -hmm. You heard it here first, guys. And you know, sometimes we bring you some juicy ass cheese, man. <laughs> that turns out to be true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Now it's time for On My Radar. And On My Radar is The Mandalorian Season Number Three. <laughs> the, the first episode of Season Three drops today. March 1st and it's eight episodes long this season so we're really really excited um, and also we I also know that the fourth season has already been written so we're getting really? a fourth season yes yeah so it's very exciting and also wanted to that is also on my radar is if you want to get some Pedro Pascal Al Cuadrado you should try watching him in The Last of Us on HBO Max so you can get yeah. more Pedro Pascal Look, you can actually see his face. Yeah. <laughs> Get those real uh, Dilf vibes. Look, I am so obsessed with him right now. I'm like actually finally going to watch Game of Thrones so that I can get more Pedro Pascal in my life. Like that's, that's how far gone I am. Like I have, like Kristen knows, I have like, everyone keeps telling me, they've been telling me to watch Game of Thrones like for years now. And I also be like, eh. But now I finally will, all because I'm thirsty for a man. <laughs> That's funny. It's when someone valid. mentioned that he was in there, I'm like, he was? And then when they mentioned his character and I looked, I'm like, oh, that's right. I had completely forgotten all about that. I actually binge watched Game of Thrones on my phone um, <laughs> because I was trying to watch all the seasons before the, um, the finale aired and so i yeah. tell me why i was in the shower with a baggie over my phone <laughs> sitting 
in the windowsill <laughs> watching, trying to finish. I mean, there was n- nary a moment in the day that I wasn't watching or had it playing, trying to just get through all the episodes. It was... <laughs> and I should actually watch it again from the beginning, like on a real size TV. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good idea for sure. Oh my God, guys, we're finally here. It's always that time again. <laughs> it's La Hora de la Cervecita. Girls, what are we drinking today? Oof, today we are drinking Chocolate Trip by Hop Saint Brewery. Uh, it is a decadent and smooth porter, um, especially for chocolate lovers. Ooh. It's made with real cacao nibs, and it is 6.1 ABV. Mm. Well, I just opened mine, and I can smell it. Chocolate. I can Yeah. And it's a porter, so it's something, well, I will with judgment mm. still but i honestly thought you know, when it i saw chocolate trip i didn't real i didn't realize that it was a porter i thought it was going to be another triple ipa but with like chocolate <laughs> I was just, that sounds I'll just start all bad <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah um so uh hop saint um i know um there is a location in torrance it's off of anza and 190th um Yes. It's right by. I a... walked by there the other day. Oh, did you? Yeah, I see, I, you know they have food there, and I've been wanting to go. Yes, I've. I don't think I've ever been, but um, I walked by there because where was I walking to? I was walking to somewhere. I was trying to get my miles in, and so I walked there instead. And um, I walked by, and I saw a little sandwich board outside that said uh, "beer here" or something like that. And I was like, "Oh, that's <laughs> right! I for I forgot that there was a brewery back there. I've never been." I yeah, Absolution is back around in that area too. I think. Um, you know what? I can't be sure. I know I've been to Absolution, but it's been so long. I can't remember. It was yeah, like me many, too. many moons I've ago. Only, I've only been but, there once in your same many years ago. Um, but yeah, this Hop Saint, I haven't been in, but this can I got at Caps and Corks. Yeah, Caps and Corks. I always try to say it and I say it wrong. And every time I say it right, I think I said it wrong. Um, but anyway, so I got this four pack there and um, it was really interesting to me because First of all, it's chocolate and also it's a porter. And, you know, I'm really big on that um, um, double IPAs. But I know you guys aren't really fans. And so I like try to mix it up. And this is one of the ones that I thought would mix it up a little bit. And uh, the can art is really cool. It has like a kind of like a melting kind of colors, like a, a lot of chocolatey colors, but also like blue specks c- coming through. So that pretty, it makes a pretty interesting can art. Um, just wanted to let you guys know that Hopstein also offers food. It's, it's described as chill, lofty space with barbecue and other gastropub flair, plus rotating house brew beers and TVs. So I guess they watch the game there. But um, what do you guys think so far? So I took a, a drink and um, oh. I taste the chocolate. But I don't taste any coffee. So that means I like it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I get the sensation of like cafe de olla, but in a sense, Mm. no, no, I'm sorry. Con chocolate. So like, you know how like when you get chocolate barra and it's not sweetened, it's at its purest. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like how I feel about this one. It has Mm. a really... Uh, interesting uh, kind of bitter aftertaste, which I'm pretty much enjoying. It reminds yes. me a little bit of Café Ibarra. Yeah, it's um, um definitely, I mean, as I think with like most um, uh, beers that have like things that we would suppose are sweet, they tend to go with more of the original flavor than any of the added sweetness uh, that usually gets put in stuff like that. So in this one, it's definitely like the chocolate, like cacao, like dark chocolate mm-hmm. um, uh, taste. So that bitterness, if you like dark chocolate or if you like like raw cacao, um, uh, that's what you. That's where that bitterness is coming from. And it's, personally, I really like it. Um, um, and um, 
you are right. There's like no coffee taste in this whatsoever. Um, um, taste wise, like I personally, I really like it. But as someone who's used to like drinking and willingly drinking more, more stouts and porters um, <laughs> for that coffee taste, that does kind of give the impression that it almost, it like tastes a bit watery. Yes. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not like bad. It's just like, I'm so used to, to expecting, like I was expecting a coffee taste in this. And now that it isn't there, I actually have coffee with me right now. <laughs> You're going to pour it in there. <laughs> I'm really trying to pour it in this, but I'm like, no, I probably shouldn't do that. Because uh, what is the ABV on? Did you say? 6.1. 6.1. Okay. Um, then it's pretty decent. Like, um, um, if like, if what you were like, if you want like a coffee taste and you can't do without the coffee taste, then you might not like it. But I think it's really good either way without it. Because I mean, porters and stouts are known for that, but that's not all that they are. And I think this does a really good job of kind of staying true to that kind of chocolate taste, uh, and really emphasizing on that. You know what I feel? I feel this could make a good cocktail, beer cocktail, if they throw like maybe a smidge of Kahlua or something. Like I can mm. think it could just completely change it. Mm-hmm. Sort of like a shandy, but for the winter. I don't know. <laughs> I'm feeling that. Oh, that would be actually really interesting. Um, I wanted to agree with Jen. That was one of the things I was going to say is that the the mouthfeel of it is more of like a lager or a pilsner to me. It's very yes. light and it's very watery. Yes. Um, and But that's not to say that it's not flavorful um, because um, I also don't particularly like chocolate. I don't dislike it, but I do tend to um, enjoy more dark chocolate and the cacao uh, nibs instead of milk chocolate or even white chocolate. Um, And so I can taste a chocolate hint in there, but it's not overpowering. It's um, not uh, too, it's not sweet at all. Um, And it's enough for it to, um, to let you enjoy it if you are a chocolate uh, lover, but not too much if you are just a someone who like me who like I can have a piece of chocolate I can cut a piece of chocolate cake and take two bites and that be enough because the chocolate is just too much um and I was afraid that's what was going to be with this beer but I could actually enjoy this whole entire can and not be overwhelmed with chocolate and just enjoy it absolutely I completely agree and um like I said I think this would make a interesting beer cocktail I think it lends itself for that. And um, I really like that bitter aftertaste. I'm really enjoying that. And also, I took my can out before we started recording. And it's kind of room temperature. And actually, it's not bad. It actually, the hints kind of... um, um, kind of kind of agree with the drop in temperature of the beer. But it does say keep refrigerated and enjoy fresh. But I'm letting you guys know that even though it's room temperature, it's still pretty good. So are we ready to rate it? Yes, we are. So just as a reminder, our rating scale is a five-point scale with extra points on either end. Uh, We have a uh, one out of five, very unsatisfied. A two out of five is just regular unsatisfied. (laughs) A three out of five is um, neutral. Four out of five is satisfied and five out of five is very satisfied. Um, If it's horrible, horrible, horrible under a one that is flaccid and if it's above a five that is super saiyan. So I'm just going to go ahead and get started and I'm going to give it a very satisfied. I'm giving it a five out of five, which um, I know that I have um, enjoyed porters and stouts in the past, but um, for the most part, uh, it is um, not 
the general, it's the, what do you call it? The exception to my beer rule. <laughs> um, but I really like this a lot and I definitely would rebuy it to enjoy. Um, and I'm super interested in Sarah's idea of a beer cocktail. So Sarah, you're going to have to whip it up and share your recipe online with everybody. Oh, heck yeah, dude. Oh my God, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go next. And you know what? I was going to give it a satisfied but you know what? After hearing what you had to say and after thinking about what I was trying to say before, but I forgot, is that I think this beer would taste good with um, a la Jen uh, dipping in a one of those seas candy <laughs> toffee lollipops oh uh, where you dip, your, you dip your lollipop in your beer and you drink it. I think that it would really be like, I think you could do so many things with this beer. But not only that, I think the beer on a standalone basis is very satisfying. Mm -hmm. Hi, uh, sorry about that. Um, um, this is Jen, and I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5 as well. I think um, I was going to give it a 4 out of 5, um, uh, but I don't think that's really fair. Uh, just because I think there should be a coffee taste doesn't mean that there has to be. <laughs> uh, but So I'm going to be kind, and I'm going to say a 5 out of 5, because I really do enjoy it, and I'm enjoying drinking it, and I do like the taste of it and uh, it's just me having to hang up about it not having a coffee taste so uh, <laughs> five and five as well knowing that we're so close i'd be super interested in going there and drinking this on draft oh it oh yeah wouldn't that be awesome mm -hmm. so that has been our beer review All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today? Today we are reviewing uh, Let Me Out. Uh, and this is really funny because when I kickstarted it, um, uh, or when I did the like, kickstarted thing, it said a queer, um, uh, a queer horror anthology, um, uh, or like a queer horror graphic novel. Uh, right now I am on the creator's website where it has it. And it has it as an adult satanic panic graphic novel with illustrator George Williams. And it's going to be releasing via Oni Press as well. Oh my gosh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so, wow. Um, think of this as early access if you if you got the Kickstarter. But I didn't I didn't realize that they usually tell us like oh, if there's an update or something like that. Um, uh, or if they like get published, but I probably just haven't checked my emails. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So that's really, really cool. Uh, and this is the small synopsis that they have. Um, uh, Columbiana, New Jersey, 1979. Satanic panic is beginning to sweep the nation and people are disappearing. When a pastor's wife turns up dead, four friends are caught in the menacing grip of law enforcement who pick them as convenient scapegoats. A satanic conspiracy involving secret government bureaus and blood rituals unravels, things take a turn for the hellish. Literally. <laughs> that is so cool. Okay, so let me just say, we got to start a band called Satanic Panic. That's all there is to it. Yeah, why hasn't nobody picked, or maybe somebody has and they just haven't like made it big yet. Okay. <laughs> right? Um, well, I'll start. Uh, I got to say, I love the artwork. The artwork was sensational. <clears throat> it really, really grabbed me more towards the end where we included de demonic entities. Um, <laughs> and then, and like, I am a real big fan of the person who lettered this comic book because uh, they didn't have a different font, but they had different color bubbles for each character. And I really appreciate that because sometimes people can be introduced to a comic book world or comic book reading with your book. So I feel that that is really important to like make it known who is talking and who is like having a monologue. Um, so I really appreciate that. But the art was amazing. And the story was so freaking cool. Like, I, I thought it was gonna, sometimes it feels like I can't sit down and read a book, like all the way through. But I do it for the podcast. And then sometimes <laughs> I'm kind of reluctant. I'm kind of reluctant. But this and there are very few that really just take me there. They're like, you can't stop reading me. You got to finish me. And this is one of those books. I definitely felt that for sure. Um, I loved all the characters. I love the dynamic between friends. Um, 
they get bullied and I kind of felt that like I felt like I can relate to that and um it was just really overall good and it's it was just really well done what do you guys think so this is Kristen and um I have to say that I was reading and following along with the story and I was really getting into it. And there is a character that um, you, my first clue that they were trans was when their friend referred, started referring to them as their current um, identity, but had to catch themselves and re uh, say they, their sentence because they're, parents were still referring to them yes. as their old identity. Yes. And so when I uh when I saw that that was my first clue. I don't know if there were any before that. But anyway, that was that story that part of the story really engaged me. So I was really reading that and then like was trying to like I was I was really uh pulled in to uh what was going on with them and then I um I got pulled into the the friend who was actually, I'm assuming that he was just younger than, or they were just younger than everyone else. Um, cause he, they were in, I don't even remember if it was, cause there were so many different, I read it on my phone. So there was, it, there were tiny and there were so many of them that actually looked similar that I kept getting confused. And I knew that there were other, um, characters that it seemed like were non-binary. Um, but Anyway, I was getting into that and don't ask me why, but I was so freaking thrown off by the whole Satan thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was like I was like that's a cherry on the that's a cherry on the cake or the cupcake or the uh, or or the milkshake, I don't know, but it was a cherry. That's all I know. No, like I was so thing. engaged. So funny. <laughs> This is my thing. I hadn't, I didn't see it going there. I knew something was going on, but I just thought that, that the cops were crooked and that they were doing something, but I had, I, if someone had a gun to my hand, I was like, tell us, is this going to be, is, is the devil himself going to come out in this comic? I'd have been like, no, <laughs> don't shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as it started going that way it kind of got silly to me and like i was so into it until that point <laughs> okay well uh, let me tell you maybe maybe i was in the right mentality because let me tell you when i was reading it i was so engaged and i was like this is gonna take a turn this is gonna take a turn because i've been binging SVU, the Special Victims oh, Unit. Uh, I am on. I am on season sixteen right now. Oh my gosh! There's that many seasons. It's still going on. It's and that's still the original on. one, right? The seasons are there. Yes, it's like general. Holy cow! I think it's like twenty five seasons or some shit. I don't know. It's still going on, guys. Anyway, my mentality is there. My husband's like, "Oh my god, are you still watching that show?" Yes, I'm still watching that show. So for <laughs> me, all the, I I picked up on all the little things, like you know. The conversation with the, between the agent and the sheriff, I'm like, oh shit, this is this is some crazy low down shit. Like something's gonna go down. Like I can feel it. And then there was like a woman missing, and then the paneling of her actual she was actually dead, but they didn't release it to the public because you know it was just there's so many like levels of like intrigue in there that I was just like. Yes, I'm here for this. And you know, I don't <laughs> like to read the back matter because when I do, I feel like I, I'm i kind of waiting for that shoe to drop or whatever. So I don't read the back matter before I actually read the book. Mm -hmm. And so reading the book, I was just like, like happily introduced into this awesome story, which I was like, yes. And then, oh my God. And then towards the, like, the last pages, I was so here for that. Oh my God. <laughs> The one thing I did enjoy about Satan <laughs> was that his dialogue was very campy the way that like Freddy Krueger's is. And I yes. like that about Freddy. I like that about Freddy. So once Satan started like cracking jokes and stuff, <laughs> even though I still found it silly, I, I, I mean, it was endearing. Satan endeared himself to me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and just, 
the even the font and the dialogue of Satan or the demon was mm-hmm. just amazing. It was just it really took over the pages at, of the artwork. It was just really great and the interaction between the humans and the demon and it was just like so great. I don't want to give too much away, but it was I really loved it. I loved it. <laughs> loved it. I want to give a, a bit more background. So, um, uh, the writer is Emmett Nahil. Uh, and the artist is George Williams, uh, and uh, Emmett is um, uh, a writer, a narrative director, a game developer, and he's interested in intersectionality, anti-imperialist perspective, and bringing more nuanced work to genre fiction. Uh, and like, I'm just reading his bio right here. Uh, he lives in a haunted town north of Boston and favors horror, uh, science fiction, fantasy, and really weird speculative uh, literature. Uh, and they have a website, emmettnaheel.com. And George Williams, um, uh, he's a, he, um, uh, he is a trans uh, um, uh, artist as well. He's a trans man from the UK. He says, who loves working in basically every kind of genre, from grisly horror to cute animals to paleo art. Um, um, and he has a Twitter, Nidadon. Um so they're both like really great, and uh, his uh, George's other art style, like his other artworks, they're very much in line with uh, what we see here in the comic. But uh, I don't, I don't remember when I actually got my copy of this book. All I remember is just like, oh, it finally came, uh, and then I like set it aside for a while, and then I read it. And you are right, because I don't know what I was expecting, or I, like, forgot whatever the synopsis of the Kickstarter was. Because when I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is kind of like a Stranger Things going thing going on. Mm-hmm. You have, like, the cops, like, in, mm-hmm. like, a weird, shady government conspiracy thing. And then it's, like, set in, like, that time of, like, satanic panic and everything like that. Although I got those vibes, but I never really thought, like, satanic panic. So I was like... I, I was like, because I was just like, oh, this is like really good. And then like towards, <laughs> yeah, when Satan, I was just like, oh, <laughs> okay. And, and they did really just kind of silly, but in like a fun way. In like kind of like how how Scream is like, it's it's a yeah. horror movie, but it's also like satire. And mm-hmm. so is like some of the later Freddy movies and how uh, yeah. Kruger movies. Look, and also like a lot of the Freddy Krueger movies are so queer. <laughs> they really are. Like, if you go back and watch some of them, there is, and I think there can be a paper written about the intersectionality between queer and horror and um, um, otherness that I can make a really killer essay about, but I just don't want to think that hard. <laughs> and that probably someone has done something better uh, relating to it. But... This it did it did end up fitting really well, so it didn't really like jaw like jolt me out. I just I should have like really like read <laughs> like the back matter <laughs> and stuff like that um, uh, and what it was about because when I was reading it, I was just like, okay, I think I know where this is going, and it didn't, and it like it was surprising, but in a good way, and also like very like humorous, but still holding those elements of like. Uh, horror, a horror comedy. That's basically what this is. Um, um, more horror in the beginning, in the beginning, and then a little bit more comedy towards the end. But still, overall, a very solid horror piece that I really enjoyed. And you're right, the artwork has kind of like a campy feel to it um, uh, as well. But I really like the colors that they use. They're so like bright. I think it should be emphasized that movies. And or anything like that, stop using the same fucking color palette because all you get is a wall of like drab coloring. This really made like a, like the characters and the backgrounds and like the demons and all of that. It made them really pop out and really stand out. And I think also the atmosphere you can create with um, um putting colors in, in like using them differently, but also like using it to emphasize different things really can like pink can go really well in horror or mm-hmm. um, uh, or like just it just matters how you use it and how you use it in lighting and how you use it in, in it, it really depends on how you use it and I think this did a really really great job because I love the color palette that they use throughout the entire um, uh, 
uh, comic. I I just I really enjoyed it, and I really want there to be a <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really want there to be a second one because I'm I'm not lying. Like I do think that my critique says a lot about the stories that they were telling and the lives that we mm-hmm. were getting glimpses into up until uh, Satan came, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so. I I really uh in I really got into that and was really invested and so I think that says a lot about their storytelling and their character development and so um I I also would be interested because I mean it's 1979 of course trans people existed but mm-hmm. to have trans non-binary group of kids all hanging out together in this small wood lazy backwoods town uh in wherever this was uh is an interesting story to me i mean you hear so many stories about uh kids especially during that time period just being alone and not having anybody and and the fact that they all had each other was was like very uh it, it was like a strong part of the story to me and so um I, I definitely would be interested in uh, reading more about this group and and I would look like to see what other kind of weird shit is going on <laughs> with them. I mean, they've already defeated Satan, so who knows now? <laughs> I mean, they have the element of religion with, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Father, Father, God, what is his name? Father... Holy Holly, yeah, Holly. And I mean, he's uh, I mean, and then the the sheriff and this not FBI, they're called the Federal Secure Wellness Bureau. Uh, how these people are orchestrating this scenario and just taking the whole town with them, and it's Mm -hmm. just like how a lot of people like just get brainwashed and then uh, don't think for themselves. And then there's this whole town against them just because they're different. I mean, as a matter of fact, when they were in the high school kind of saying, Oh, you guys are our ears, eyes and ears. Um, You guys, if you guys see anything weird or somebody like listening to really loud music, violent music, violent (laughs) music, um, let us know, call the tip line. And I'm just like, what the fuck? That could have been me. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. that's, and you know, like it's the mob mentality, and they really like illustrated that in this book. I mean, it wasn't the main character, which I like, but it really orchestrated and kind of drove some of the story and propelled it. So I really enjoyed the, this. Thank you, Jen, for kickstarting this. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, the ending was, I love the ending. It was so, it was so rock and roll, it was so punk rock. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yes, I I do feel that there there is an a, a there is room for a second book for sure. So are we ready to rate it? Yes. What is our rating scale, Kristen? Oh, so we have a three quancha rating scale. Uh, three quanchas because that's how many quanchas that uh, that those are the most quanchas that uh, Jen's mom would allow her to eat in one sitting. So that is the best but if it is a book that uh, deserves more than three conchas we might give it um a cup of champurado on the side so um i'm gonna start and i'm giving it two conchas um i really enjoyed the story i really enjoyed the uh character development you guys obviously got more into the art and color palette because you know that i only read the words uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get out of that habit, but I was in a hurry and I was trying to get through it. Um, But like I said, uh, there was so much engagement with me with those characters that um, I definitely would be here for a second uh, story and um, thought that that definitely was really well done with this book. So I'm giving it two conchas. Yeah, this is this is Sarah, and I'm gonna give it tres conchas because I effing loved it, loved, loved, loved it. It just took me somewhere where I was ready to go. I love the art, I love the color palette, I loved the end pages where we meet the demonic world, and I love the use of red during those panels, and 
I especially love how they were able to emphasize kind of the demons, kind of like campiness, yet demonicness, uh, <laughs> demonistic, satanic uh, with the font and the reds. And it was just, I loved it. I, I don't want to give too much of the story because I feel that I will give too much of the story, but um, I totally thought it was amazing. So Tres Conchas for me. And if you guys are new to listening to Comadres y Comics, Conchas are Mexican sweetbread. There are many different sweetbreads, but conchas are kind of like the staple of Mexican sweetbread, which is why we rate our books by conchas. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jen? What did you think? I'm honestly like... In my heart, I want to give it three conchas, but like, considering like, especially, I really like uh, Kristen's like critique of the book too, and I think she did drives home some like really good points about it. So I think I'm gonna give it two conchas as well because there was like some unresolved. I will always have questions that they can always like come back to, and this is motivation for them to like you know get out another one. Uh, however long it takes you were successful in your first kickstarter you'll be successful in the second one again um uh so i'm gonna give it two conches as well um uh and you can have a champurrado as a treat um uh yeah so no hard feelings i did i did enjoy it but i think um uh, uh kristen's critiques were really really well really well done um um you can get uh let me out uh, it's going to be available. It's available to pre-order um, uh, via either Barnes and Nobles or Simon and Schuster or your local comic book shop. You can always go ahead and ask them to order the book ahead uh, for you. Um, uh, it should be available to order. Um, um, I don't know when it's coming out in your LCS, but on the Barnes and Nobles website, it says that it will be out uh, October third of this year. So, um, um, check it out. Uh, you can go to Emmet Nahil at E-M-M-E-T-N-A-H-I-L dot com. And you can see his bio and everything and all the other works that he's done. Uh, and it will give you a link to not only the Kickstarter page, but also like to the Oni Press website as well. Uh, and then, of course, support your LCS. Uh, you can pre-order with them as well. Uh, it's super easy to do. Awesome. I love this. Oh my God. This has been our book review. All right, guys, it's now time for En La Libreria. Jen, what do you have for us today? So uh, today I have for you uh, Crow and the Vengeful Light, uh, which is actually a follow-up to Crow and the Eternal Night, which was also Kickstarter. So I'm going to read a bit of the like synopsis uh, campaign that they have right here. And it says the story. Crow saved our world from an undead apocalypse with her quick thinking in eternal night. But now a new threat has risen and Crow must face the consequences of angering Moon's sister, the sun. Vengeful Light is completed as a 60-page graphic novel, including 53 pages of story art. It is a sequel companion book to Eternal Light, as there is some recurring characters and references. Although it is meant to stand on its own with a brand new story, the full Crow experience may be more enjoyable if you also read Eternal Night first. Uh, and then they have a bit of like um, um, the book itself uh, and its original cover. They're going to have alternate covers. Uh, by creators like Elisa Miko. Um, um, and then they also show previews of the artwork. And it's really, really beautiful. Um, uh, it's kind of an anthropomorphic story as well. Um, uh, so it's like, uh, it's all like animals from what I can tell of the artwork that they have right here. And they have quite a few add-ons uh, for it as well that include... Um, um, having uh like an original drawing uh as well as uh let's see like original art um uh, getting like uh the dual packs and stuff like that uh it has actually already hit its uh goal of two thousand dollars it's currently at two thousand one hundred forty one dollars with 54 backers and 33 days to go um um the rewards or the um, uh, 
you can always pledge without a reward. You just want to support. But the base pledge starts at $5, where you get a PDF copy of Vengeful, Life, uh, Vengeful Light. Uh, at $10, you get the digital PDF of Eternal Night and Vengeful Light. And then at $15, you get the physical copy of the book as well as the PDF. And then at $20, you get uh, all the previous rewards along with a holographic Dreamy Owl sticker. Uh, and then at $30, you get um, um, the light print bundle, which is... Uh, the comic, the PDF, uh, a cover art print, and the sticker. And then it keeps uh, varying from there. You, there's also options to get the physical copy of Eternal Night as well. Uh, but it looks really, really interesting. And it is like a fantasy, uh, mythological type of story that's being told. Um, with the main character being an actual, like, crow. Uh I have I wasn't even aware that there was a first one, but I'm really taken with the art. I think it's really pretty, and I think it's interesting that they decided to go with like kind of uh, only like animals telling the story or animals being featured in the story, because there is there there's like people uh, in one of the artworks, but it seems to follow mostly the animals who I think in this case are kind of taking more on that Native American perspective of like, they're the, they're the ones who created the world or that's kind of how they're choosing to, uh, if they were people instead, they're focusing on them as kind of animals instead. So that's kind of cool. It is pretty cool. And it looks, um, uh, Really, really beautiful. So it is Crow and the Vengeful Light on Kickstarter. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. What do you have for us today, Kristen? So today I have for you a little bit of an intersection between uh, February and March. February is Black History Month and March is Women's History Month. And today I have for you a book uh it's a novel and it is called um well it's a non-fiction book um black women in sequence this is something that i just uh found out about it has been out for quite some time um it was originally published in 2015 but this is a um this is a book that basically uh basically share, shares with the readers um, the uh, the appearance, the representation of women of African descent in comics subculture. So from 1971 appearance of the Skywald Publications character The Butterfly, which is the first female superheroine in a comic book, all the way to contemporary comic books, graphic novels, film, manga, and video gaming, a growing number of black women are becoming producers, viewers, and subjects of sequential art. As the first detailed investigation of black women's participation in comic art, Black Women in Sequence examines the representation, production, and transnational circulation of women of African descent in the sequential art world. In this groundbreaking study, which includes interviews with artists and writers, Deborah Whaley suggests that the treatment of the black female subject in sequential art says much about the place of people of African descent in national ideology in the United States and abroad. So you can actually go to uh, Deborah uh, Whaley's website, which is www.debraelizabethwhaley. And let me spell that out for you because um, it is a name. <laughs> so that's uh, D-E-B-O-R-A-H-E-L-I-Z-A-B-E-T-H. W-H-A-L-E-Y.com. Uh, and there, uh, we'll share the, the page with you so that you get that name right. But you can, um, that is the author's website and the book is available there and you can find out more about Deborah as well. That's super cool. I like that. All right, guys, now it's time for saludos. Who are we saludando today, Kristen? 
So today we are uh, giving saludos to a young uh, comic artist who I met at this uh, this Phoenix Arts Expo that I went to this last weekend. Um, her name is Verissa Washington. You can um, find uh, her on... Uh, webtoons and on Tumblr. She also has an Instagram. Um, on Instagram, she is uh, Sax. Let me see. I just had it here. Um, Sax Vires underscore comics. Sax S A X V I A R S underscore comics. And um, she describes herself as a black comic artist based in Phoenix um, and invites you to check out her webcomic Roll Out on Webtoon. Uh, Webtoons. She um, described her, uh, her comic to me as kind of having um, a boy love uh, kind of like basis uh, in it, but also just like some manga um, uh, influences and um, some uh, also queer uh, characters. And she was just super really excited. And um, I just remember her saying, you know, I'm, I'm new and I haven't done too much. You know, I hope to get better. But I mean, when you look at her Instagram, um, she is um, very talented. And so I um, look forward to reading uh, her webtoons and maybe we can review it one day. This is Verissa Washington. You can find her on Instagram at S-A-X-V-I-A-R-S underscore comics. Um, also on uh, Tumblr and uh, on webtoons uh, where she is um, under the creator S-A-X-V-I-A-R-S. <laughs> I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us? As always, you can find us at commodityscomics.com, our website where you can find uh, links to all of our socials uh, and also um, some information about uh, how we got started. You also should check us out on YouTube where we interview creators and allow you to learn all about the amazing projects that they're working on. Well, we pretty much are on most of, I think, most if not all social media platforms. So um, also you can be sure to email us. We'll try to get back to you as soon as we can. Thank you so much. <coughs> we really appreciate you guys for listening to us and supporting our podcast. Um, this brings us to the end of this episode. We have been your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. And that's on period. Network.